This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. You got through the elements, you're here on a very wonderful Sunday, what we're calling Vision Sunday. We like to take typically the first Sunday of every year and, and really just kind of share some of what we feel like God's saying. And, you know, as a pastor, like a lot of times, a lot of what God says is just to keep doing the thing you're doing. You know what I mean? Like stay consistent, you know, continue to keep doing. But there are ever so often these moments where he drops little nuggets or little what I call breadcrumbs along the way. And those breadcrumbs are just sort of opportunities to kind of hear or get a glimpse from heaven or, or get some insight or maybe a fresh word. How many of you, when you start the year, kind of start with like prayer and kind of trying to seek the Lord? You try to get like a word in your spirit. You try to get really kind of anchored in something. A lot of times that's where I am. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, right? Have you found that to be the case? Sometimes you're like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a word from the Lord. And, and this is, and then you, you go, then you're like, okay, he's not saying anything. Or, or maybe I'm not hearing anything. But over the last couple of weeks, and I hopefully you had some good rest. Everybody enjoy some time off and rest and relaxation with the family and Christmas and New Year's. Y'all look refreshed. Let me just get a good look at you. Y'all look great and wonderful. Turn to somebody and say, you look wonderful today. Yeah, you do. You do. You look great. And I'm thankful you didn't come just like dragging in today. You came with some expectation and some faith in your heart. But a lot of times, you know, we start the year and we want to hear from God and we've got this enthusiasm, this excitement. And, you know, over the last couple of weeks, we've been praying and just really pressing into what the Lord has for us. And really, actually, about two months ago, God began to kind of just whisper into my heart this word more. And it really started for me back in the beginning of November. And I was like, okay, Lord, more sounds cool. I mean, uh, I'm working on my, my waistline, you know, nobody wants to be the skinny kid on Santa's lap. So I'm, I'm working on more, you know, food, more, right? Some of you. You're like, yeah, okay, way too many cookies over Christmas. Confession time, how many of you just like went way too crazy with the chocolate and the cookie? Yeah, that's like every hand went up, see? So we're all in this together, you guys, all right? One big happy, chubby family, it's wonderful. So, no, I, I had this word and it was more, and I was like, okay, Lord, that sounds like really charismatic and it sounds like a great preacher word, you know, and I can jump up and down and get excited about the more, right? Normally no one's excited about like less, like God's like less, you know? And you're like, oh no, Lord, not less. You know, I'm just hanging on by a thread already. But no, I really felt like the Lord said more. And I was like, okay, God, well, I'm gonna pray into this. And so through November and through December as a family and as pastors and as a team, we began to just pray and seek the Lord. And we're like, okay, Lord, we, we feel like this is what you're saying. But what do you mean? What, what, do you, what do you mean more? And he led me to this verse right at the start of this week and as I was praying and just kind of pressing in, he brought me to Ephesians chapter three. If you have your Bibles, go there today. We're gonna to put it on the screen, but here's what it says, Ephesians three, verse 20. It says, now to him, being God or Jesus, who is able to do immeasurably more, say immeasurably more, than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all the generations forever and ever. This is Paul's prayer for the church, that our eyes would be opened to the immeasurably more, that we would get a hunger in our hearts for more, that we would recognize that God is not just able, but he's also willing to do immeasurably more than all we can ask, think, hope, dream, or imagine. The old KJV used to say, exceedingly abundantly. 
For some of you old timers, you're like, yeah, I'm all about that exceedingly abundantly life. But I like this word immeasurable because a lot of times we get stuck measuring things. We get stuck trying to compare things. We get stuck trying to figure out where we're at. And God says, listen, church, I want to do immeasurably more than you can ask, more than you can think, more than you can imagine, according to my power at work within you. And now, isn't that amazing that the promise of God to do more comes with the promise to include us in it? Now, if God was like, hey, I'm going to do more, and you get to sit on the sidelines and watch, I'm excited, right? How many of you, like, you go to a football game, you go to a sporting game, you're sitting on the sidelines, you're watching the team go down the field, and you're like, yeah, all right. But can I tell you something? Being on the field, being in the game, being on the team, being useful to, to achieve that victory is so much more exciting and, and so much more fun. How many of you played team sports in high school or when you were a little kid or maybe in college or whatever? So, you know, there's something amazing about scoring and winning together as a team that you can't get excited about as a fan on the sidelines. Now, some of you who are like super fans, I'm a NFL 49ers super fan. I, I love my Niners. I've always been true to the Bay, even though I've never lived there. I love the 49ers. Some of you are like, no, that's not my team. You know, I'm all about the, I'm all about the Denver Broncos, or I'm all about the Utah Jazz. Now we're getting into the NBA, or I'm all about the whatever, right? So you might have a thing. Maybe it's not sports. Maybe it's something else. But can I tell you, as passionate as we are as fans, there's nothing that compares to being in the game, actually playing, actually advancing the ball, actually helping the team win. And the neat thing about what God wants to do with us right at the start of this year is to remind us that he wants to do immeasurably more within us. He says, according to his power, that is work within us. So God wants to use you and he wants to use me to do the immeasurably more. What an invitation, right? What an amazing invitation for you and I to get some faith in us as we step into 2024 for God to actually do this in and through our lives. How many of you would say, Pastor Jason, I want that. I want God to do more than what he did last year in my life. Some of you are like, you know, maybe you're, you're content with what God did and, and praise God, good for you. But I'll tell you what, this pastor's hungry for more. This team, we're hungry for more. This church is hungry for more. And so as God began to speak this word, it's amazing how God will take a word, he'll speak a word, and then he'll start working that word in you. So you might even be like, well, I don't even feel very hungry for more. I don't even feel very like fired up about the more. Maybe I came in today and Jonathan's like blowing me away with his worship transition and the team's like already in the Holy of Holies and I'm just kind of like sitting there with my coffee going like, oh my gosh, right? But the neat thing about what God wants to do in us is as he speaks this word, as we put our faith in what God wants to do and what he says through his word, he starts to work it. He starts to perform it in us. And next thing you know, you start believing it and you're like, yeah, come on, Matt. Come on, Kurt. Come on, Adam. We start believing God. Like, yes, God, you've got more for me. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So in starting this year with this word, I believe that there's kind of four aspects of what we're believing God for more for, right? More for 2020, 24, believing more in 2024. That's, that's where we're going, okay? So here's, here's four things that we're believing God for more. The glorious, the eternal, the miraculous, and the impossible. What do I mean? Well, for the glorious, we, we, we are believing God for more of his glory and more of his presence, this is a church that believes in the power of God's presence. We believe that one of the distinguishing marks of being the people of God in the earth is carrying his presence. 
is being a people after his heart. And we are pressing into seeing God do more of that in our midst, pouring out more of his glory, more of his presence, more of his goodness, more of his love, more of who he is, amen? Because his presence isn't just the warm, funny feelings he sends, his presence is his person. It's literally the person of God, the Holy Spirit, working in through our lives. So when you wake up in the morning and you feel the, the warmth of his presence, that's him there with you going, hey, my child, I love you. Come on, let's do more together. So we're believing God for more of the glorious. We're believing God for more of the eternal. What do I mean by eternal? I'm talking about impact, eternal impact. It's so important that we understand this and, and we'll get into this in just a second. But the Lord has tasked this church with being a great commissioned church, meaning that we believe that we have a mission to accomplish. And that mission is reaching people for Jesus Christ, amen? And then, of course, the miraculous, more miracles and healings. I love that song we sang today. I'm not staying the same, right? I'm, I'm hungry and desperate for more. If you need healing in your body, come on, meet us at the altar. There's a, there's a longing in that and in this church for more miracles and more healings and more supernatural activity, amen? And then the impossible for more than what is possible. And so let's break this down today. Starting with the glorious. This was Moses' cry. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 18, he said, Lord, please show me your glory. I love that Moses, who was kind of this broken man, if you know Moses' story, you know he went through some really like big ups and downs, kind of like you and me, right? Some, some moments in his life that he's not excited about or proud about, but God puts his hand on Moses and says, Moses, I'm gonna use you to lead my people where they're not even really wanting to go, but I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do more in and through your life than you can even think, dream, or imagine. And Moses' response is, God, show me your glory. Like, show me your glory. Now, the word glory in the Bible is this word that means weight. It's this, this idea of not just like shiny fame, which is true, but it's the weightiness of God on your life. It's like, if you ever um, step into a pool of water and you notice like, you know, you, you think if you've got weight to you, <laughs> if, you're, if you're actually made of muscle, right? If you're, if you're made of fat, maybe you just kind of float. But like the idea is that there's weightiness to your body. There's, there's mass in your body. Maybe it's your bones. Maybe it's your, the, the water, whatever it is. All right, I'm not a scientist clearly. But um, you think there's weightiness to it. Another way would, to look at it would be like if I came right now and I put a big, heavy blanket on your life, you'd be like under the weight of that blanket, right? And in the same way, this is what Moses is expressing. He's saying, God, I want to come under the weight of your presence. I want like you to be on my life so that everywhere I go, people see you and not just see the stuttering fool. Anybody ever feel like that? Like, God, I, we, I want people to see you and not the stuttering fool. All right, I feel like that sometimes. And what was John the Baptist's cry? Lord, more of you, less of me. If you're gonna increase in my life, I've gotta decrease. John the Baptist came on the scene declaring and preparing the way for Jesus to come. How many are thankful for that? But then he goes, you know what? I've gotta decrease so that Christ can increase. And part of the way that John, John the Baptizer or John the Baptist decreases is that he came under the weight of God's glory. He literally lost his head. And if you think about it, there's something interesting about that because for you and I, a lot of who we are is wrapped up in our heads. It's wrapped up in like our ego, our pride, the things that we, we think about, like our mind, our dreams, all of our things, right? 
And so here John is, and he's like, I want to decrease so you can increase. And Jesus is like, okay, off with your head. <laughs> and what do I mean by that? For some of us, we've got to get our heads lower than our hearts this year. We gotta be willing to bow our heads lower than our hearts. We gotta be willing to lay down our ego and our pride and sort of the rights to ourselves. That's the invitation from Christ. If you wanna save your life, you gotta lose it. If you wanna be great, you gotta become small. You gotta become the least. You gotta be willing to serve. You gotta be willing to put your heart below your head, right? Your heart below your, your heart above your head. Your head below your heart, there we go. And how we do that is worship. So if I demonstrate this for you, it's like when we bow down, I've got my head and I'm thinking about my day and I'm thinking about my work and my dreams and my white pig events and my 401k and all my things and my, whether my kids are going to be all right and all those things. And I've just got all this stuff up in my head. And Jesus says, come and let me show you my glory. God says, come and experience the weight of my glory. But in order for that to happen, you got to get your head below your heart. And so here we go. And so we're going we're gonna to bow. And now for the first time, my head is actually lower than my heart. And now my heart can receive the weightiness of God, the glory of God, experience the presence of God. And as a church, that's what we want. We're a, we're a worshiping, praying church. We believe in the power of this. Now here's something that's interesting is that Moses did this without any prompting. No one, no one gave him a Bible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Have you ever thought about that? Like Abraham, Moses, Josh, these guys didn't have Bibles. So like no one gave them a manuscript or a blueprint. We've got an amazing blueprint, you guys for how to do this. The word of God, it gives us a blueprint on how to worship and how to get our hearts above our heads. Amen? And in doing so, we're gonna experience, I believe as a church this year, more glory than we've ever experienced before. You're like, well, that sounds good, Pastor Jason, but let me, let me explain this to you. Moses' glory faded. The Bible actually tells us that the glory that, that, that he experienced from God that actually got on his face, remember he had to put on a veil? because people wouldn't look at his face because it was too scary looking, all right? So it faded. In fact, Paul tells us in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 7 through 11, he says, now if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone, referring to the tablets that were given to Moses, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have what? Even more glory. The ministry of the Holy Spirit possesses glory that's greater than that which Moses had. Think about that for a moment. We, we look at these characters in the Bible, we put them on pedestals, when in reality what they hoped for, what they longed for is what you and I have access to. And that's, that's something that I don't want us to take for granted right at the start of this year, that we'd be a people that recognize, God, your presence with us, your glory with us, how much more glory does the ministry of the Spirit have? He goes on to say this in verse 9, for if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, if there was glory in the law and the ministry that condemned people, how much more so the ministry of righteousness will exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. Verse 11, for if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more, there's that word again, will what is permanent have glory? As believers and as followers of Christ, we are the subjects of that which is more permanent, the much more of God that has been revealed to us in and through Christ Jesus. And that is the glory of the Father that he wants to pour out on our lives through the presence of his Holy Spirit on this church, amen? 
And that's what we're pressing into. Paul goes on to say this, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all with what? Unveiled face. What's the reference here? He's referencing Moses. Moses had a veil. But he says, we, as New Testament believers, come on somebody, with unveiled faces, behold the glory of the Lord. We're being transformed into the same image of God from one degree of glory to another. You know what that tells me? There's more glory. From one degree of glory to another. So maybe you've experienced a limited amount of glory in your life. Maybe you, 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 you prayed the sinner's prayer, you gave your heart to Jesus, and you're now just trying to live your best life. But can I tell you, there's a better invitation that awaits you. For those of you watching this or listening to this, there's a better invitation that awaits you, and it's more glory. It's experiencing more glory than what you have before. He says this, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit, meaning there's more glory available to us through his Spirit. And this is the heartbeat of God, that we be transformed. I love this word. It's a powerful word. It means changed. We're talking about it today. I'm not leaving the same. I'm not leaving the same. I'm not leaving the same. What are we saying? We're saying we want to be changed. We want to be transformed into the image of God in Christ Jesus from one degree of glory to the next. Meaning we're hungry for more glory. We're hungry to be transformed. And maybe that's something that God needs to ignite in your spirit right here at the start of January. So how's this going to happen? Well, as a church, we do this through prayer and through praise, through worship. These are actually the unchanging realities of God that he invites us to experience and to press deeper into. I believe that as we do that, we're going to experience more of his presence and more of his glory in our lives, in our homes, in our families, in our children's lives, in our church, and what we're really believing God for this year is in our city. So that's the glorious. Regarding the eternal, Romans 6.23 says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We know that all acts, all human acts, eventually lead to death, but that eternal life is found only in knowing Jesus the Son. And I believe that more than ever before, we're gonna see people come to experience the free gift of God, what, what Paul here in Romans chapter six calls the free gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus. How many of you know that eternal life is not just about you getting to heaven? got real quiet. How many of you know that eternal life is not just about getting to heaven? Eternal life starts the minute that you ex experience and welcome and invite Jesus to come reign and rule in your heart through faith. Eternity, actually, Ecclesiastes tells us, has been set in the human heart. There's already eternity in your design, and it becomes, I believe, unlocked the way God wants it to be unlocked the minute you actually begin to press in and walk in the gift that he has for your life. Here's the good news. This same gift has the power to change and transform everything. Do you believe me? Here's what, here's what Paul goes on to say or, or says earlier in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, we call it the good news, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. This is what we're praying and pressing into as a church for, for more eternal impact through gospel-driven ministry here in our city. Because we believe that every conversation that we have, whether you're in Honeysuckle Coffee Company or you're hanging out at school or you're with your friends carving the pow-pow up in Brighton, come on somebody, 
We believe that every conversation is an opportunity to share good news. And we believe that every relationship we form is an opportunity to help people tangibly experience it. What am I saying? I'm saying when we gather together and when we continue to build community groups and do life together and press into to each other, these are opportunities for us to live out the good news that we believe, to experience tangibly the good news of Jesus Christ, which has the power to change and transform our lives and the lives of other people. Because community groups are not just us for and no more. Come on, somebody. Community groups are for those outside of our church to be welcomed in, to be brought into the fold, to be discipled, to be given the good news, to be given this power of God for salvation and to see their life and their family's life and the trajectory of their kids and the generations to come forever change. And come on, somebody, do we believe that? I believe that. So more than ever, we want to foster community groups that welcome people in because the goal of groups, like I said, is not just for us. It's to preach and live out in a tangible way the good news of Jesus. We believe that. In addition to groups, we know that Alpha and we know that City Serve have tremendous potential. And thank you for those of you that came out and served over Christmas break when we went down to the rescue mission right before Christmas Eve and, and served the hungry and the homeless. That was amazing. Thank you for doing that. Because in doing those simple things, you're living out the gospel among people that desperately need some good news. Now, here's what I know. It's 2024 and there's an election coming which means we're gonna hear a lot of bad news for the next few months. We're gonna hear a lot of news that is, that is intended to drive you to a place of fear. But here's what I believe. As a church, as a courageous people living in the earth today, we're gonna to step into faith. We're gonna step into good news. We're gonna be a people that give people a chance and a reason to know the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. What am I saying? We're gonna live out the gospel. We're gonna live it out. And part of how we live it out is by not being afraid to have conversations with people. I call them spiritual conversations. What, what does that look like? Hey, Adam, good to see you today. Hey, what's God doing in your life lately? Oh, I don't know. I haven't really thought about that lately. Cool. Let me share what God's doing in my life. For some of us, that means we need to get a testimony. Come on, somebody. Some of us, we need to actually get some activity in our life and get a, get a grip on this so that we've got something to talk about. But I believe this, regardless of whether you think you have the words or not, the Lord will give you the words. The Holy Spirit will give you the words. That was Moses' prayer. Lord, give me the words. I don't know what to say. He's like, don't worry, I'll give you the words to say. I'll tell you what to say. And it's amazing how when we surrender that and, and, and commit to doing that, and we just step out of faith. We're like, hey, I don't really know this guy, or maybe I do. But either way, it's like, I'm gonna trust you, God, to give me the words to say. What, 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 what does it need to be? It could be this simple. God is good. <laughs> Let me tell you what he's done for me lately. It could be this simple. Let me tell you how God changed my life. Let me tell you how God worked a miracle in my life. Let me tell you about when he healed my kids. Let me tell you about, right? So the list goes on and on and on. But what are we talking about? We're talking about living out the gospel in a redemptive way. So we're gonna do that through community groups and Alpha and City Serve. We're gonna continue to press into that because ultimately as a great commission church, I believe that God wants us to have more urgency for eternal things and not just temporal things. So as we step into this year, let's be a people that are, that are excited and passionate about making an eternal impact. Regarding the miraculous, one of the core convictions of this house is that when we gather, we expect God to do miracles, meaning we still believe that God does miracles. <laughs> now, maybe you came from a church or a tradition that said, no, that all ceased when the New Testament was canonized or with the early church. God doesn't do that anymore. Can I tell you? Yes, he does. 
I'm living proof, and I could introduce you to probably 20 people in this room that can testify that God still does miracles today. In addition to salvation, which we know is the greatest miracle of all, come on, we believe that God still heals people. We believe that God still sets people free, and there's people all around us, you guys, that need healing and that need deliverance. We counter them all the time. I was in San Diego this week with my son. We were fishing. I took him on a little fishing trip. Maybe you saw my posts on Instagram or Facebook, but... We had a great time, but early in the morning, there was this guy outside, totally, totally demonized, just shouting, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? You can't be here. And I'm like, who the heck is this guy talking to? I open up the window and, he, and there's nobody there, but this guy, and he's just right outside of my window, just shouting at me, you can't be here, right? And I just spoke, spoke the name of Jesus. So I said, in Jesus' name, be set free. Be set free, my brother, be at peace. And he just kind of like, and just kind of like walked away. <laughs> And that's funny and we laugh, but the truth is, is like there's people like that all around us internally that are, that are wrestling over things that have them bound. Addictions, frustrations, curses, the stuff that they're just, they're just struggling in. And God has positioned you, he's positioned me to step into their world and to speak a word of healing and to speak a word of freedom into their life. Power of God and the salvation includes the promise of freedom, the promise of healing. It's not just eternal salvation and getting our ticket punched, like I said. It's living out eternity here on earth, living out the abundant life, the more of God here on this planet. Come on. And so I like what Jesus says, and I tend to stick with Jesus a lot. But here's what he says in John 14, verse 12. He says, truly, truly, I say to you that whoever believes in me, how many are thankful that Jesus is not a distinguisher of persons, that he, he kind of opens it up for everybody? He says, whoever. He doesn't say, if you're this, if you're that, if you wear the white collar, if you've gone to seminary, if you've got a master's degree and an MBA. No, he says, whoever believes in me, he will do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. You guys, what works did Jesus do? He healed the sick. He cast out demons, he raised the dead, he transformed hard hearts, and he changed people's lives. And not only that, but he expected his followers, like you and me, courageous people, to go on doing the same thing, amen? Now, I know some people and a lot of scholars and pastors debate, what are the greater works, right? What are, I mean, like, casting out demons seems pretty, pretty epic, and like seeing people get healed and set free seems pretty great. And the truth is, we don't know. He left it purposefully unclear. Now, this is not canon, but I want to give you my opinion. You know why I think he did it? Because he knows that we like to put God into boxes. And the minute that he starts to label things and define things for us, we start to what? Compare. <laughs> well, look at my works. Mine are greater than yours. <laughs> Three demons this week. How about you? <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I prayed for a woman. Healed a cancer. Oh, no, you're still sick? Oh, right? What do we do? We start comparing. Well, what about him, God, Jesus? What are you gonna do with, with him? And he says, hey, don't worry about him. So you know what? I think Jesus, he left it open. He left it unclear so that we wouldn't try to put God into a, a theological box or religious box. We start to actually see that God is bigger than our boxes, you guys. And sometimes I think we get sucked into believing that this is all there is. Like, okay, you know, like this is all you've got for me, God. But I believe that God has more, more for his people, more for his church, more than we can what? Ask or imagine. 
When's the last time you sat down and began to imagine impossible things? Maybe for you this year, that's something you need to add to your daily routine. It's just sit down and, and dream. What seems outlandish? What seems crazy? What seems impossible? And start there. Jesus says, those who come and believe in me, these are the works that will do and even greater. That's the invitation. These are the greater works, the ones that I believe that God and God alone gets to evaluate. Works that I don't think we'll even truly understand the impact of until we step into eternity. Remember, what is great and seen as greater in the kingdom of God is different than what is seemed as great in the kingdoms of men. Oftentimes, what seems impossible to us are the very things, the substance of the things that God wants to use in our life to do the possible. Which brings me to the final point. Regarding this impossible, this pressing into more Jesus said this in Matthew 17, verse 20, for truly I say to you, courageous church, now I want us to hear this, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, what mountains are you looking at today, church? Move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Now either Jesus is exaggerating or we are not willing to step into faith. And I trusting that Jesus doesn't exaggerate, that he means what he says, that he says what he means, that he, he, he invites us to actually step into mountain moving impossible faith. As a church, we're believing God for not just the greater things, but for impossible things, for things that seem beyond us currently as a church, for things that we believe only God can get the credit for. You see, there's a lot of things that you and I can do that we get the credit for. But I wonder in your life and in mine, what are the things that only God can get the credit for, that God's gonna be glorified in? One of the things that we've been told over and over in our time here, in our almost, what, six and a half years that Candace and I have personally been here with our family and then now five and a half years, oh, no, not quite five years, four and a half years as a church, is that it's impossible to build a praying church. That people won't show up to pray, that people don't take prayer seriously, that the Christians here don't care, that it's just apathy and indifference, and like you're not going to be able to move the needle at all. And you know what? We reject that. And we say to that mountain, you're going to be moved. I want to invite you to be a part of that with us as a church. One of the things that we've also been told many times is how impossible it is to have a building. And we believe that we are going after a building this year. We believe that God has put in our spirit the idea of having our own space and our own place. And we're excited to press into that together. And we're gonna invite you to be a part of that as well. Not only that, but what we're going after and what seems impossible to us is the idea that we're actually gonna change a city, right? Oh, you'll never change Salt Lake City. It's a, it's a Mormon stronghold. The LDS own everything. Come on, how many have heard that before? Can I tell you what? We're gonna to say to that mountain, it's time for you to be moved as well. Because what seems impossible to man is very possible with God. What am I saying? I'm inviting you to get audacious. I'm inviting you to put your reputation on the line. I'm inviting you to step out in faith this year, to get out of the boat of your comfort and your convenience and your, well, this is only what God has done in my life so far. This is all I can do to maybe God wants to do more. And then he's challenging me, you guys, stretching me. I know he wants to stretch you too. <laughs> and that's the invitation for us. 
to go after things that seem audacious, that seem bold, that seem impossible. We believe that God has prompted us to begin looking beyond the temporal and the portable and to begin investing in what is to come. And I'm also speaking about raising up the next generations, plural, because God is calling this church to have generational impact. I'm talking 10 to 20 years down the road. I'm talking having a bigger vision than, than just paying the bills. Come on, somebody. But stepping into audacious faith for what is it going to look like for God's people to grab a hold of a word for more in their life and to live it out amongst people that have settled for less? What is it going to look like to get, a, to get a hope and a fire in us to say, you know what? We actually are here for a reason. This is our time. This is our year. We're not backing down. We're not giving in. Come on, we're pressing in by faith. And that's what I, I believe God is calling us to step into. And I'm excited, and I hope you are too. We believe that God has called this church to be a multi-generational church. To be a multi-generational church is going to require places and spaces to equip and empower people to become courageous followers of Jesus. Additionally, we take very seriously the call to reach our city. And we know that to be truly effective in doing that is going to require us to send the right kind of messaging. And that messaging is this. We're here to stay. We're here to stay. Beloved, we trust that God has actually got good and some really great things in store for us, but that we're only going to see them if, and that's the, the key word, if we step out in faith, when we leave what is comfortable, when we leave what is possible, and we step into the impossible. So as we press into the more this year, as we press into the glorious and the eternal and the miraculous and the impossible, here are four final questions that I want you to think about as you begin 2024, are you ready? Number one, what are you willing to believe God for? What are you willing to believe God for? What dream seems impossible to you? What outlandish hope or goal might God have you set for yourself this year? And, and what will you dare to dream for in 2024? Number two, what are you willing to surrender what does God want you to let go of from 2023? What from your past doesn't belong in your present? That's a good one to think about, you know? Start of the year, we're all setting like our resolutions. I'm gonna get fit. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna lose some weight and all those things. Good, go for it, let's go. But beyond that, beyond just the physical stuff, what, is, what does God want you to surrender? What maybe habits are unhelpful things have, have attached themselves to your life? Maybe unhelpful agreements that you've made with the enemy that God says that doesn't belong in your future. That doesn't belong in your present space anymore. This could be habits, it could be hangups, it could be things that, that aren't helpful to you. They're just wasting your time. What time wasters do you need to let go of? Oh my gosh, like Instagram is such a trap. You start scrolling through videos and you get into that doom scroll and they're like, man, I just wasted 20 minutes doing that? Like that's 20 minutes I could have been reading my Bible, 20 minutes I could have been doing push-ups to get buff for my wife. How about you? What do you need to surrender? Number three, what are you willing to risk? John Wimber once said, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. What are you willing to risk? The truth is faith is all about taking risks. So what is God asking you to take a risk on? You know what's so amazing to me? Jesus tells the, the parable of the, of the steward, right? Uh, the talents. And he gives everybody in, in this particular instance different talents, different um, amounts of money. And one guy goes off and he takes a bunch of risks and he invests in the market and he comes back with a return. And Jesus is like, yeah, the master's like, all right. 
And another guy comes back and he also took a risk and his return wasn't as big, but got Jesus and the master was like, yeah, that's awesome. But then there's like a third guy and he takes what the master gives him and he buries it. He sits on it because he's afraid. I don't want to lose it. And, and Jesus is not like, oh, well, okay, you know, you did your best. He's like, you wicked, lazy servant. Like, out. Get out. It, actually, it's a little more serious. He casts them out into a place with weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's like kind of this outer darkness reference to hell. It's pretty, pretty intense. But I think sometimes what we miss in that is that there's an invitation for you and I to recognize that every one of us has been given something by God and every one of us is called to step into faith where we risk things, where we step out and go, God, I trust that you can do exceedingly abundantly, immeasurably more in my life and I'm willing to trust you with this and I believe that's the kind of faith that brings a return. That's the kind of faith that he says, well done, good and faithful servant too. So what risks are you willing to take this year? Maybe it's stepping out into a new job. Maybe it's uh, starting new relationships. Maybe it's hosting a community group or stepping out to invite people to your house. What are you willing to risk? Number four. And finally, what are you willing to give? God always gives seed to the sower, meaning that he always puts seed in the hands of those who are willing to sow it. So the question is, where do you personally want to grow in giving and generosity this year? One of the things that, that Candace and I set out to do every year is to give more each year than we gave the previous year. And you know how we're able to accomplish that? Because God gives grace to us to do it. He gives so seed to the sower because he knows that we'll do it. He knows that we won't eat our seed. Nom, 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 nom. He knows that we'll give it. He knows that when people come along and they have needs, we're, we're, we're first to say, yeah, let's do it. Come on. Let's, get, let's, let's, let's raise the money to, to buy Sophie and Ernesto a, a van in Peru this year. Come on, let's do it. Let's, let's, let's take care of the needs among us in our house. Come on, let's do it. And you guys all have the potential to do that in your lives and in your world and in your circle of influence as well. But together as a church, I believe that one of the things God's gonna have us do this year is step out to do outrageous things financially for people that we've never even dreamed were possible. I'm talking about paying off debt. I'm talking about canceling medical bills. I'm talking about buying vehicles for single moms and making sure that we're actually doing what Jesus tells us to do. You guys want to join us in that? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm preaching to myself here today, Pastor Jay. Good word. I know. I know. I know. I'm doing pretty good right now. All right. Let's keep going. All right. So we believe God ultimately is the God of so much more and that he's able to supply all the provision and all the power we need to do this if we'll seek him, if we will put him first. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and seek first his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. All these things. So what is it that, that you're believing God for? What is it you're, you're willing to risk and surrender for? What is it that you're willing to press in for? What are the things that you're, that you're asking God for? Seek first his kingdom and he'll give them to you. I'm willing to bet my reputation on it because I've seen it happen in my life. Seek first his kingdom and seek first his righteousness. Today kicks off our annual season of what we like to call seek here at Courageous Church. Seek is 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we're gonna do this together as a church. I'm gonna skip the video today 
Dan, and I want to put up four ways that we want you to participate in joining us as we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness right at the start of the year. Here it is, number one. We want you to choose a fast. You say, what is, what is fasting about? Is it about pain? No, it's about delighting yourself in the Lord. It's about feasting in him. So we want you to choose a fast. Number two, we want you to remove comfort. Number three, we want you to pray and intercede. And number four, we want you to read your word. Now here's the cool part. To help you, we've put together these really awesome seek guides. And these are available for free, come on somebody, at the Connect Center for you on the way out. Maybe you grabbed one on the way in. But these are awesome. Inside of these lists different ways that you can fast different ways that you can remove comfort. Maybe for you, it's a social media fast. Maybe for, for you, it's a liquid fast. Maybe you need to do a 10-day food fast. Maybe you wanna jump into a 21-day fast and you wanna go all in and do that. Maybe you wanna do what's called a Daniel fast or a partial fast. Maybe you wanna do an intermediate fast. Choose one, okay? Choose a fast and ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Number two, remove comfort. So like I said, social media entertainment, maybe it's... um. Instead of buying more things from Amazon, you go through your closet and you look at maybe some things that you can donate to somebody that has a need, amen? And then of course, we want you to pray and intercede. We're gonna have a, a really awesome opportunity to do this. This Tuesday at 7 p.m. is our Seek Worship Night that we're hosting here at Courageous Church at seven. And we wanna invite you to come seek the Lord with us right at the start of this year. We typically do these on the first Tuesday of the month, but we moved it from last week to this week to better align with our time of prayer and fasting. In closing, here's what I know, church. Together, we're gonna see God do so much more. So, do you believe it? Are you ready for it? Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at CourageousChurch.com.